0: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention?
1: I'm David Borax, and this is R&D in the QC. Tarek Bakari and Larkin Eggleston, one Republican and one Democrat who bonded as first-term Charlotte City Council members. Somehow, they both got re-elected, and now we're stuck listening to another season of this amateur hour bullshit. In the first 82 episodes, they talked to a governor, a senator, presidential candidates, and even a journalist or two. Their goal again this season? Bringing Charlotte listeners behind the scenes of the City Council in one of America's fastest-growing cities. I won't be listening, but for
2: some reason, you are.
3: This is your local sustainability advocate, Rebecca Wilden, coming to you from East Charlotte. On episode 90, my husband, Sam Spencer, will be talking all about the primary election. And you'll also hear from former mayor and governor, Pat McCrory. Are you ready to hear from our favorite Charlotte bromance, Larkin and Tarik, also known as Tarkin? I sure am. That's right, folks. It's episode 90. And with us for this first segment, none other than radio voice persona, Sam Spencer.
1: Thank you, Tark, for that intro.
3: Wow, that sounds amazing. Give us a little bit more of those words.
1: Well, Tark, I just want to say that when it comes to podcasting, you're the gold standard. And I'm pleased to be here with you and your trusty sidekick, Larkin, Egggold, whatever.
0: Well
3: said, sir.
0: I mean, well said. Last appearance on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam is the chair of our planning commission. He is a longtime Democratic operative and expert and is now also working for our congresswoman, Alma Adams.
1: Um, And since I am a federal employee now, um, I will not be endorsing anybody on the podcast, but I can give... uh, some candidate assessments.
3: We'll do the endorsements. You now, give the assessments. We'll give the endorsements.
1: You now you uh, you can't give any
0: any thoughts on the federal races or on any of them.
3: No, no, I can't endorse.
0: Okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he can fine. be
3: like this candidate's so much better than that candidate.
0: But I haven't made up my mind yet.
3: And I'm Sam Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, so we are here to talk about the election. We had a, a zoning meeting last night that, as chair of the planning commission, you were part of. It was. Not particularly eventful. So, Uh, how
3: many dumb questions or comments would you say you heard last night?
0: But dumb questions and comments, not eventful. Mm.
1: Uh, There, no dumb questions. I mean, uh, we did not have a. We we did not have a uh, contentious decision uh, part of the meeting, so it, it really didn't. Well, think we had
0: one, but then well, we didn't yeah, make we it. yeah, we did.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we punted on. That. But
1: it, but yeah. but it was a punt, um, and and there was opposition in the audience from both sides. Uh, so, you know, y- yesterday we, you know, typically it, it's an interesting thing to watch how many petitions have opposition or not. We had one decision with that had both opposition and support in the audience, and then we had uh, so we
0: chickened a, out and didn't vote.
1: And then we had a public hearing with. Uh, A lot of opposition in the audience. And And then some institutional support. And then everybody went home.
0: So, given that that would make for about a three-minute episode, we've decided we're going to do our election special uh, right now. And so we've got early voting already going on, and then obviously Super Tuesday, North Carolina's primary, is Tuesday, March 3rd, which is two weeks from today. Also my birthday. Also Tarek's birthday. Happy birthday. I feel like it's going to get overshadowed, but at least Mm -hmm. there'll be a lot of parties to choose from. True. Not many Republican parties, but... (laughs) Uh, but you can come to one of our parties and we'll celebrate. Um, so on this ballot, obviously, we've got everything from the presidential race to U.S. Senate and all the way down to county commission. Um, our friend of the pod, Ray McKinnon, will remind you to to vote all the way down the ballot, and it's a long one this time. What are maybe some of your predictions starting at, at the top of the ballot? How do you see North Carolina weighing in on Super Tuesday obviously Nevada and South Carolina are going to have some impact on who's got momentum and who doesn't. I think the field is set. I don't think anyone else is going to drop out before Super Tuesday. Do you agree with that? And where do you see North Carolina voting?
1: It would be really weird if somebody dropped out after Nevada. Um, Somebody could drop out after South Carolina. You you know, it it would be. Why not wait three
0: more days at that point?
1: uh, Yeah. Why not wait three more days at that point and just roll the dice? And well, because
3: you have the the longer you wait or the, the, the quicker you pull the trigger, the more leverage you have in someone else who would, Maybe want you to throw your support behind their candidate. It'd have
0: to be entirely altruistic to drop out after South Carolina to try to help somebody. else. If you else. know yeah. that
3: you're you're gone at that
1: point? Yeah. If you know you're gone, and it's Sunday, you can do a big public endorsement. You can go on all the the Sunday shows, mm-hmm. um, and and switch your support or throw your support somewhere. You know, there's a way to do it. Does anyone do that? You think? I don't think so. It, it does. It doesn't make sense because clearly you have. You have Steyer, who right now is playing for delegates in Nevada. Um, he is he's pushing the narrative that he's actually going to qualify for delegates and that you're going to be able to have Bernie, Biden, and Steyer, at the very least, maybe Warren, um, come out of Nevada with some delegates. His message
3: is, the other billionaire? The one you aren't thinking of, is that...
0: Well, but he's been doing well in Nevada and he's been doing well in South Carolina. And so some of the people who've been sputtering would, are presumably going to do better in these next two states... And obviously, you know, your Bernie and your Pete, they're not going anywhere before Super Tuesday.
1: Yeah, Bl- Bloomberg and Styer have slightly different billionaire strategies where Styer is putting money in. Well, both of them skipped Iowa, New Hampshire. Styer is putting money into Nevada and he is putting money into South Carolina um, to get delegates to come out of those states, to, to get on the board, um, so to speak, before Bloomberg does I think one of the interesting things Charlotte voters have to consider, though, is that for most of Charlotte, we're in the 12th Congressional District. The 12th Congressional District will award eight delegates to the DNC Convention out of about uh, 4,000. What happens there is that to get delegates out of Charlotte, to get delegates out of the 9th Congressional District with, you know, South Charlotte and um, a lot of counties going towards the east, you have to get 15% of the vote. Um, unlike the Republican primaries where, you know, after the initial primaries they go to a winner take all system for states for delegates. Uh, we're gonna be splitting delegates all over the place. So so part of your calculus is is the candidate I want to support going to hit fifteen percent statewide? Well, you know, if for if you support Tulsi Gabbard, for example, um then there's,
0: stop. <laughs> then stop supporting her. Well well no, but
1: but she's you, awesome. Just to be just to be objective for this thought experiment. Um, she is not going to hit 15 percent either statewide or in any congressional district in North Carolina. So you have to think about, OK, who else on the ballot really re- best reflects um, my thoughts? Because because I think a lot of people don't know, you know, it's not a popular vote. And while that might factor into if we have a contested convention, you know, who got the most popular votes, what wins the day is delegates and you have to be cognizant of you know who is actually going to win delegates here. I can tell you in Mecklenburg County, um, it'd be nice if we had like district level polling. I'd love to see Public Policy polling or another group, you know, go down to the district level, drill down, and see who is viable in each of our 13 congressional districts. But we have a pretty good guess statewide and in Mecklenburg County.
0: I think Tulsi would probably do better in Tark's district than in mine.
1: <laughs> but you know, uh, agreed. We know Bernie's probably going to be viable. We know Biden's probably going to be viable, and Bloomberg um, is trending that way. He's he's trending up to the point where he'll hit fifteen percent at the very least in some congressional districts. So then the question becomes: Does Warren hit fifteen percent? Does Buttigieg, uh, or or is my friend some of my friends call him Pete Buddy Guy? Uh, does he hit fifteen percent? And you get. You know, um, is is there anybody else? Like, can a Steyer come out of a strong performance? Uh, can and the Clomentum? C- can Clomentum come up? And and does does Amy hit fifteen percent? Nevada get a strong performance and and hit fifteen percent? I mean, I mean that's really what happens. And and on Super Tuesday, we're gonna see. We're already seeing candidates go to different states. Uh, we're seeing Bloomberg and Bernie and Biden go to South Carolina. Uh, we're seeing not that many people go to Georgia because it looks like Joe Biden has a lock on Georgia. Obviously, Aamon Klobuchar wants to have a strong performance in Minnesota. Uh, we're seeing a lot of fight over Colorado. Warren's spending a lot of time there. Bernie's going to Colorado. Have so. Hickenlooper
0: or, uh, Bennett in- endorsed yet? I don't believe so. That would, that would seem to carry some weight in, in that Colorado so race. On,
3: on the, uh, the cap off the presidential side, um, if you are an R and D in the QC listener, someone who pays attention, but maybe this is something that new you haven't paid real close attention to, like what? How do you recommend approaching March third Super Tuesday night? Let's say it's you get off work. What are you looking for? What are the things that are the storylines of like that's some inside views of of how this all works, and you're you're waiting for them as a as an a tuned in viewer and a member of R and D in the QC.
1: I think you're looking at, does somebody who I didn't expect to get 15% statewide in North Carolina get 15%? Because, you know, the other thing is delegates are a zero-sum game. So if another candidate qualifies to get delegates um, and Bernie's way ahead, that that might take delegates from Bernie. Um, if it's, there are strategic reasons why, you know, if you have multiple candidates get to 15%, especially in, in huge prizes like California, um, what does that do to the entire race? Um, does on March 3rd, I mean, we could know at that point whether or not the democratic primary is heading towards a contested or brokered convention and North Carolina is going to play a big role in that.
3: So let's transition to state Wide and municipal elections. What's uh, what's on that docket, Larkin? So with
0: the U.S. Senate race, um, the main people that are obviously being focused on are Cal Cunningham, uh, who has far out fundraised and is so far polling pretty well ahead of Senator Erica Smith. Um, and there's then, nothing more on that one, right? I was well, that well a hard no, hard there conclusion? is. I mean, oh, really? People, okay. I mean, there's other candidates. And, I just
3: assume Cal Cunningham was like the. I mean,
0: Trevor Fuller bears mentioning as a local county commissioner, sure. though he's not. Um, He's not had the fundraising ability or the the polling numbers that that the other two have had. I mean, I I think there's a pretty sharp divide between people who support Cal. I think many of whom look at him as someone who could really take on Tillis partly because of his resume and partly because of his fundraising ability. Um, But there's a lot of people I think frustrated that it feels like it's already kind of, he's kind of been anointed the nominee and that Erica Smith hadn't had a, a fair chance. What are your thoughts on that race? Well,
1: so there's one interesting component that's going on right now is that there is a super PAC that has spent over $2 million uh, for Erica Smith giving her higher name ID across the state. And that's going to change the dynamic of that race. Because typically when you have uh, a race in North Carolina, and, and I've been in the grassroots campaign on the grassroots versus DSCC U.S. Senate race in, in North Carolina. Have to define acronyms here in case our uh, listeners. Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. And in 2008, who has
0: supported Cal Cunningham in this race?
1: Yeah. And in in 2008, the DSCC candidate won. In 2010, Cal was the DSCC candidate and lost to Secretary Elaine Marshall in the primary. And then back in 2016, everybody pretty much lined up behind Deborah Ross in the primary, and she won. This race is interesting because since you've had two, it might get as much as $4 million um, spent to give erica smith some name id um
0: though so it bears mentioning this super PAC has some odd republican ties and there's some thought that maybe they're trying to help her win and also undermine her for the general election
1: which we might remember from the 2012 race with todd aiken versus claire mccaskill and in, in missouri if you want to see an example of that playing out um but the interesting thing about this one is that it is an interesting academic case because Smith will have enough name ID from all of the ad spending, you know, regardless of source of income. Um, and what's going to be really interesting is that since Erica Smith has all of the local PAC endorsements, Black Political Caucus, Raleigh Wake Citizens Association, Durham Committee on the Affairs of Black People, uh, Durham People's Alliance, Simpkins PAC, I mean, really the, the entire gamut, um, how do those go up against the DSCC? Um, and I, I don't think we've ever seen that sort of situation in uh, in North Carolina, where where we have you know some packs that that really you know overperform and um, win a lot of races at the local level, uh, plus a little name ID spending versus the full force of Chuck Schumer and the DSCC. So it, it's going to be a really Interesting race to look for on election night, and uh, with the you know we recently changed the thr- threshold for runoffs, uh, so you have to only get thirty percent to avoid a runoff. And there will it, not be a runoff in this race. Used to be forty. There won't be a runoff. This this primary is going to be statistically decided there could day. be,
0: but there will not be because Cal and Erica will probably get more than eighty percent of the vote combined. Probably. Um, I, I think Cal probably wins that race, but probably by single digits. Um, though I think Erica would make a great um a great nominee. Uh, Gov- Governor, there's not a really much interesting. Um, Dan Forrest is going to blow the doors off of Holly Grange, probably, yep. in the Republican primary. And I think Roy Cooper has an opponent, but I don't even know who it is. Lieutenant Governor, much more complicated yeah. on both sides of the aisle, though. Very much so. Um, so I have no idea Tarik might, but the Republican side of that race is just a jumbled mess well, to
1: it, me. It, and that it, could it go to a, a runoff. A,
3: yeah, it could. And, again, I, I – I'm looking at the list right now. There's like, I don't know, eight people running. The ones that jump out at me that I know. I've known Scott Stone for a long time and um I uh, I've endorsed Scott. He's a he's a good guy. I'll endorse well, him. Well, so then
0: here. that pretty much seals it. Done.
1: The
3: Bukhari bump. bump. Done. <laughs> I I'll, I'll tell you the the things that I'm kind of watching from a distance, uh two other names particularly. One is um which one of these I've
0: been hearing a lot about Robinson. Right.
3: Yeah. The, the 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 superintendent of education. Or is that oh, Mark, Mark Johnson?
0: Johnson? He's a terrible human being. So
3: Mark Mark Johnson, I, I don't know him for anything. I I just mis- mistake, mistook mistook yeah. his name for the other person. Dear Republicans. Um
0: look at some other people. But it, there's been a there's been some Johnson.
3: strange news stories in the headlines. He recently sent like tens of thousands of texts to parents from his current role about him being against common core or something. It just seemed a little strange. I've met the Mark Robinson dude once or twice don't really know him though um, and then Renee Elmers everyone will recall that um, there's a lot of conservatives out there that um, that have some 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 bad feelings about um, about again she came in as a tea party person and then um, proceeded just some of their opinions to um, to maybe lose some of that way that brought her there so I don't know this could literally be
0: uh, anybody's race. Her name ID is, is going to be pretty good, though. Um,
3: yeah, that's the one thing that uh, could play a factor. And
1: and you don't have you don't have people spending millions of dollars in this LG race on the Republican side, so anything could happen. When you
3: send a hundred thousand text messages with your name to parents, I mean, oh, that's a double edged sword though,
0: because there's a lot of people who are sure. looking at that. It's it's drawn a lot of attention, but there's also a lot of people that look at it as an abuse of office and. I think that will do him as much damage as it does. Yeah, but good.
3: what percentage of people are paying attention enough to remember that's the guy, you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, small groups of people. Well, pay attention and and one stuff. of the
1: interesting factors that we're going to have in the Republican primary is that the day before North Carolina's primary here in North Carolina, Donald Trump is going to come to Charlotte and, the president is probably going to say um, he's, you know, part of his spiel is come out, vote for me. We really need you to vote, even though he's absolutely going to win the Republican primary. There's no question there. Um, and so he is going to drive turnout. And you're going to have a lot of folks who maybe weren't thinking about going in this election. They support the president. The president comes out, says turnout. And, you know, the very next day they walk into the polls and and it's going to be a name I.D. game in most of these races. And as much as we, you know, you know. One of the interesting things about voters that all the research tells us is that voters are very smart. Collectively, v- voters go on things like name ID and stuff that you know might not be as informed. So it's you know um, how about, anything how about could happen on the Dems
0: side. It'd be interesting if he. I don't know that he would. There's not again the governor's race on the Republican side, and we didn't even mention, but Tom Tillis I think does have an opponent, but an irrelevant one. It'd be interesting to think. I think someone's on the ballot, but there's someone on there. Uh, it doesn't the, matter, the, yeah. And so, you know, you wonder if Trump comes in and and set tries to give anybody a bump in any of these races, he'd have to go pretty far down ticket to get to a race where that was needed. Um, so I would think probably not. I doubt he's going to be weighing in on the lieutenant governor. Who's
3: race. the who's the favorite on the Dem side?
0: There's not really a favorite.
1: All over the place. I, our, our,
3: our pal, pal like, Chaz Beasley's in there. There's
0: like four people in that in that group, Terry Van that are all polling. Between like five and ten percent.
3: Who are the is it is Terry Van Dyne and Chaz? Terry Van
0: Dyne, Chaz, Beasley, Yvonne Holly, and Bill Tool are probably the five or the four with a chance.
1: Yeah, I, and and I think that's that's the first race on the dim ballot that could go to a runoff, um because because you you still have to hit thirty percent. You have a regionally diverse field. uh Terry Van Dyne is from the eight to eight. Bill Tool. Is from the seven hundred four, as is Chaz Beasley. You have Alan Thomas, who is a Hope County commissioner and has, uh, you know, been down there in the nine one zero quite a bit. You have, Rayford. yeah, you have the you have Ivan Holly nine one nine. You have, you basically doing, have a bunch of candidates well. in completely different yeah. area codes. Um, so be
0: interesting to see if Bill and Chaz who do you endorse? Do any damage. I actually so in one of the only three things that I actually did come out and endorse. Um, I did endorse Chaz Beasley and I'm friends with Senator Van Dyne and I'm friends with Bill Toole and I've heard good things about the others, but um, I've known Chaz for a long time and he's just absolutely one of those quality human beings you'd ever want to know. And the type of person that should be leading our state. So he's I've, smart. He's smart, dude. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. Should uh, I
3: endorse, should I endorse in the, in damn primary? Uh,
0: I feel like if you want is, to hurt not chances, want? yeah, I feel like maybe <laughs> don't do that. Great idea. Well,
1: and you know, I don't think, um, I'm I'm struggling here and somebody on the internet is going to know the answer to this and make me feel stupid. But if we had a Lieutenant governor from Mecklenburg County on the Dem side, it has been a very long time. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I certainly can't think of
3: one. (laughs) Um, I don't know a lot of Lieutenant Lieutenant governor names to be totally honest with you.
0: Dennis Wicker.
3: (laughs) Um, How about, uh, how about, uh, you know, I, I had, I got to meet and hang out Came across his path a few times before, but actually talked to for an extended period of time. This this guy Keith Cradle, who's running against Alma Adams.
0: So, Sam probably Sam, you to probably weigh don't don't need so to weigh in on that specifically. But Keith, Keith Cradle is a really good guy. But a Congresswoman Adams is is done a really good job and um, certainly deserves to be sent back. I did also in a three month period. He kind of announced late. I really haven't seen much of a campaign from him. I think he has a future in elected office. It is absolutely not going to be in this race. That's a, I
3: mean, for someone well, who look, seems look, legit, look, it's you, a bold move to come out and run against you, you, the big incumbent.
1: So, so obviously, I have to give my plug here. You know, obviously, um, I'm I'm a longtime uh, supporter of Congresswoman Adams, and there are four reasons why everybody in Charlotte should vote for Alma. Do they all start with H? They do all start with H. And then there's a fifth one. There, there's health care. There's higher education, there's housing, um, and it, if I ever forget one, I always throw in hats. Handball? No hats, hats. obviously. Uh, no, but but healthcare, housing, higher education, and hunger. Um, and the big one out of all those uh, recently in her work is higher education. Uh, she passed the Future Act, which will give over two point five billion dollars to historically black colleges and universities over the next ten years. Now it's bipartisan. It it was bipartisan. She worked with uh, signed by Donald Trump, Mark Walker on it. And uh, one of the big things about it is that she's one of the she's one of maybe seventy members of four hundred thirty five members of Congress who have passed a bill and had it signed into law this year. Um, She's working on another bill right now that's already passed the House to name a post office in Dorita. Um, after Julie's chambers. Um, so, so that's going to be a big one. And hopefully, um, you know, we're, we're working to pass that in the Senate. And when that passes, she'll be one of very few members who has passed two bills this year. So, Knock on wood.
0: Keith, good guy, future elected official, I think. Um, but Alma, we will, shouldn't Elma be, will we have should, we,
3: you know, there's one thing I'll just mention. We shouldn't be so territorial. I'm not saying you guys are, but I'm just saying this is in general. Like when someone steps up to run in a primary, on somebody, everyone's like, "What are you doing? Oh my
0: god!" Like, you know, what? I did that to somebody. I'm not saying I'm not against it, but I'm just saying, in even three, if that in person three is in a three-month time frame, in a three-month three time frame, you can't build an name ID necessary to knock off a very well-liked oh, no. and established yeah, yeah. Congressperson. it's fine. And,
1: and, and to, to be fair, you know, we're not we're not being territorial. We take we take every race seriously. Um, the con- there are new parts of the district. Mint Hill was added to the district. The congresswoman's already already been down there to, to do events and welcome Mint Hill into the ninth. Uh, we are going to lose Ballantyne. so so unfortunately, I think um, all of Ed Driggs's district, or maybe almost all of Ed Driggs's district, is leaving the twelfth congressional district going but, into the ninth. But we will have more. Uh, more
3: that, fl- that area, is, uh, in, from my analysis, uh, softer than I thought it was.
1: Yeah. And but we will have more Larkins district, and we'll have more your district, Art. Um, and the spe- stronghold. Speaking
0: man. speaking of the ninth, the Red um, Keep. Is I what don't we think refer to I don't does. think Congressman Bishop has a primary opponent, but there's a multi-way race in the Democratic side of the ninth. And I admittedly,
3: who is that? I, well, I don't Cynthia, even know. Cynthia
0: Wallace, who you would recognize, you'd know her if you saw her. It's um, been involved in the Democratic Party from here in Mecklenburg. I'm a big fan of hers. I'm supporting her, but I don't. Even frankly, know the other candidates.
1: So, so Cynthia Wallace, um, she's been endorsed by Congresswoman Adams, Congressman Butterfield, the CBC PAC. Um, she's probably the odds-on favorite in that race, just given how much of the Democratic vote of the districts in hmm. uh, in Mecklenburg County. But you still have to win um, other parts of the county. You have um, other people in that race include um, Clayton Brooks, who has uh, who worked for Dan McCready previously um in in the 2018 race and you also have um uh, is that the one marcus is in um uh, looking at looking I, at I'm, the democrats I'm
3: glazed over now of thousands um, of people in the Mar- marcus
1: williams from Robinson county has um has run at the federal and state level for um over 10 years and mm-hmm. and and he uh, he is really good at winning Robinson county he Lumberton. is yeah he is uh
3: I have this real deep interest in learning about the Lumbee Indians.
1: It, I mean, they it, have a,
3: they, from what I understand, they play a huge factor in the ninth congressional.
1: And, and, and it's, there. and it's a huge, I it's want to a learn huge more about fe- them. federal issue. Um,
3: I, I did learn one thing Yeah. the other day. I don't remember. I guess that was our swearing in or something. The dude who was playing, yeah. uh, and did the song the sing with the drum was a Lumbee Indian. Very cool.
0: Um, and so then, then if we jump down to the general assembly races, I think we'll cherry pick a couple because most either don't have primaries or are completely not competitive. What's
3: going on with Jeff Jack?
0: He's he's going to be fine. You think? Um, that looked like it was going to shape up. They double bunked him with Senator Rob Bryan, um, but Senator Bryan ended up not running. I think Jeff's going to have a well-funded repu- – well, that's general election. The only things that much matter in the in the primary, you've got uh, Mustaba Muhammad – Senator from kind of northwestern Mecklenburg has got two opponents in primary. I've endorsed him. I think he wins pretty easily, especially in a, in a three way race. What's
3: that number of that district? 30, Jeff
0: Jackson. Jeff Jackson is 37,
1: or at least was under the old lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: it's all changed. The lines have changed. And so you know, people need to, I will recommend people get online and Meshaw look at their sample ballot. Senate
3: you have got. To go online and look this stuff up. I mean, it. There is so much. Now you're not going to have every state senate or or house. Uh, no, you'll just have one. But you're going to have a lot of a lot of folks. But it's probably changed uh, statewide. Because
0: yeah. I, I for instance, was in Jeff Jackson's district. Now I'm in Senator Muhammad's district. Um, the other the other primary that's gotten some attention is that um, House Representative Becky Carney, who is third in seniority among Democrats in the North Carolina House, the entire 120 member North Carolina House. Um, she has three opponents, I believe. Yes. Um, two of whom haven't really campaigned very seriously. Um, Jonathan Peebles has, uh, again, good guy, former president of the Young Democrats and a, and a friend of mine. But um, I think, again, on this short runway of a three-month time frame to campaign and going against somebody who's as, as beloved and has the track record that Representative Carney has, I think that's a, a probably a losing battle.
1: It's a, it's a hard race, I, I think, um, with – with Representative Carney winning the Black Political Caucus endorsement, I, that was a big win for her, and, and most of the other endorsements have, uh, if not all, have fallen her way in that race. Um, so, so that's going to be, um, I think. I think it might be close on election night, but but that's a it's hard to count Becky out on that one.
0: Well, when, when you've got a pretty established incumbent, they're almost better off having multiple people running against them because it divides up the 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 vote against them, and especially with a threshold of only thirty percent now. You know, four way race. It's going to be she, she's going to be really hard to beat, and um, and frankly, she's a, a great representative for our community. So let's get to
3: the main event here,
0: treasure. <laughs> oh yeah, we. What's going to happen in the
3: treasure race?
1: The treasure race. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. I, I keep on seeing endorsements go different ways in that one. Um, a lot of the statewide institutional endorsements seem to have gone to Ronnie Chatterjee. Um, he is a, a worked Duke worked
0: in the Obama administration. Worked
1: in the Obama administration, Duke professor. Um, he has, you know, he he's gotten um, a lot of, you know, I, I think consolidated a lot around the Triangle. At the same time, however, um, you know, just today you had a Wake County Commissioner come out and endorse Matt Leatherman, one of the other guys in the race, and he he got the Indy Weekly endorsement. And
0: he is a former staff member from treasurer cal's office who was the previous office holder before dale falwell is it 30
3: or
1: 40 percent to avoid a runoff? 30. 30 so there's no statistically there's speaking no there's no there's no mathematical way yep. and and you do need to know math in the treasurer's race <laughs> um so so it, it's um,
0: and then city councilwoman Dimple Ajmera, who's gotten a handful of endorsements as well
1: she has the bpc endorsement um i would be shocked if uh if dimple didn't win mecklenburg county at least get a plurality of the vote um, I will say one one interesting thing that is running in Dimple's favor is that um, in partisan statewide Democratic Party uh, primaries in the state of North Carolina, um, the last woman to lose a partisan statewide Democratic Party who was a current office holder um, was Eve from Adam and Eve. Was Hillary Clinton. Um, so, so a, a current... Females farewell. Yeah, Uh, Democratic Party primary. um, It it is. Are there a
3: lot though? Are there a lot of examples that that have? I mean, Janet Cow, June
0: Atkinson, Elaine Marshall, okay, Beth Wood, yeah, Beth Wood, who will win? So does this mean
3: you don't endorse? But does this mean that Dimple is the odds-on
0: favorite because of that? I have no way to handicap that race. Yeah, they have different geographic appeal. I think they have different personal appeal and they've they've really split up the endorsements pretty significantly between the three of them so there's not like one of the three you can necessarily write off
1: Hmm. and i think one of the things this is going to come down to is um you know do newspaper endorsements still play a role um newspapers now what are those yeah i know right um so, something that hopefully we we do put together a community foundation to create a newspaper in Charlotte and go fully nonprofit, but that's another news story from this mm. week. Um, so well, so and yeah, I, and, th-
0: and frankly, the newspaper endorsements, like the Charlotte Observer, the only one they've put out so far is the U.S. Senate race. They endorsed Cal Cunningham, but with so many people utilizing early voting, it's really a shame. And I, I, I get the what's the story. point of waiting? Well, I, th- I guess it's that they feel like if they do it three weeks before election day, then people forget. And it's not as topical, but
1: well, you
3: own the paper, you also, just keep putting you, it out.
0: You also have missed a, maybe a third of your voters by the time you put out some of these endorsements.
1: Though I am very interested this year to see what happens with early voting numbers if voters are savvy enough to wait until the South Carolina primary.
0: Well, that's what I'm doing, and I almost <laughs> always vote on day one of early voting. I, it's become a tradition for me, but I wanted to let. The presidential race. Never I more. always
3: vote on election day unless there's some some catastrophe that I'm I'm prepared for.
0: Yeah. I want to be the
3: last one. I have a really morbid a all thought in front.
0: process that like if I vote on the first possible minute I can vote, then if I get hit by a bus the next week my vote will still count. Wow. That is morbid. Yeah.
3: We'll we'll dedicate another episode to really drill into <laughs> what got you to that point. Um well, I commish. want to know
0: from beyond the grave that I voted against Donald Trump. What, what are the
3: what are the big county commission things? I'm prepared to make an endorsement there.
0: Well, the, one of the uh, the uh, third endorsement I've made is Ray McKinnon, and I think he is just to me the single best candidate in that race. So wait, you're
3: th- who was the second one? I think i
0: uh, Mustafa Muhammad. Oh, okay. All right. Chaz Beasley, Ray McKinnon, and um, Ray to me is he's a minister. He's a he's a father and a husband. He is. Uh, housing authority board member. He, the guy just, he knows, he knows the subject matter that the County commissioners deal with. Um, he's just a very genuine and very honest person. And he and I argue like cats and dogs. Sometimes we very much disagree on several things, but he's always genuine. He's always real. And um, I'd much rather have someone I disagree with at times, but I trust. No, than, I'm there. Than the other I, way around.
3: I, I, I feel the same way. I, me and, this guy could not disagree on more points. And we, we passionately and energetically have debates on things. Um, but I, I, I count him as a friend and someone who I'm, I, it's worth the time, and I hope he feels the same way, to have the debates, even though literally we couldn't be coming at it. And, and that's a lot for me to say that because, I mean, you know me. I've got a, a Stockholm Syndrome on a normal basis from being around you Dems. Um, but I think he probably is the best candidate um, that they desperately need on that body. And
0: there are no Republicans, so whoever comes out of this, uh, this crazy. Eight-person primary: the top three vote getters will essentially have been elected to county. We commission.
3: can't scrape up one Republican to toss in there.
1: You know, you could run. It's an off year for you. You totally could have been putting free your name look. on the ballot. it's, yeah. free it's a free look,
3: as yeah. some of our friends might have. Um, it sounds like a terrible free look to me. Thank you.
1: Yeah, so I can't I can't talk about county commission because Ray 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 was at my wedding. <laughs> like he performed the ceremony i love ray i wasn't there. uh i wish i could i wish i could endorse it's him.
0: ray has yeah. got the three for 3 RD and and the qc endorsement uh,
1: that, not an endorsement hashtag not the an endorsement
0: two for three endorsement and the one for three he was my minister at my wedding did
3: pat mccrory <laughs> endorse him in the next segment
0: uh, you'll have to wait you'll to have to out.
3: tune in to find out
0: but um some other good folks you get to vote for three people in the county commission race. I would. Is there
3: any into other primaries that are of note throughout there?
1: A uh, district three county commission. Um, you, Kate you, Lee and
0: George Dunlap.
1: Kate Lee and George Dunlap. You do have the the chair of the county commission um, versus um, a, a UNC student. We UNC know Kate, Charlotte student. Um, is, is is
3: there any is there any uh, chance that no, uh, Dunlap gets unseated not. there? I,
1: uh, I I mean D, uh, George has the endorsement of the black political caucus. He just got the endorsement of the Charlotte Post today um here's what
0: you watch for in a race like that and this happened to um to senator joel ford a couple years ago a race like that you're not gonna lose he's not gonna lose that race but you don't want to underperform in that race no because you get a target on your back and so for him anything under 70 75 percent would be considered a, a significant underperformance and would likely but, but also, on his But also, Tark,
1: if you could hold, pass me my phone really quick. I can sure. tell you. So here's the, here's the most important thing for the the Kate Lee race, and and I think this is this also, you know, was an important factor in District Four last year, where you know we have more um, UNC Charlotte students running for office, which is great. As I was a 20 year old Davidson College student when I ran for County Commission District One, and so I'm. You know, I think more young people getting involved we in the ever process. Are we going to get you to run again? No, not absolutely not. <laughs> um, but what we what we have right now is that um, through Monday, uh, UNC Charlotte has only had 283 early voters. They're not going to turn out. I, I keep
3: saying I love them to death. Well, and our friend, they're our not going to turn out.
0: Cartagena, you know, tried to hang yeah. some of his strategy on the student voter turnout and it's
3: just not something that the masses of them are paying attention to and
1: and i, I will say the there are some campuses that are crushing it right now uh nc state has had 1140 uh and duke on campus these are on campus early, these are on campus early voting and this so is
0: presumably only students and faculty
1: and this is per jerry cohen who is the master of north carolina politics you know like uh he is he is the he's the Merlin in the tower of of North Carolina politics. Uh, Duke is also at six eighty one in App State. Uh, you know, go Mountaineers! Is at uh, five hundred sixty four. None of the other student early voting sites across the state are above five hundred, which which is which is sad. I mean, this is because who benefits the most or who gets hurt the most by elected I officials? Was, I wasn't
0: voting in primaries in college. Yeah. Were you? Um, I'm sure Sam was. No. Sam Sam was probably uh, Sam attention probably, students. Sam's probably never I have an announcement in his life. to make.
3: Um, is there any school board stuff?
0: There's not. No,
1: no school board.
3: And then they only run in the years we
0: run.
1: We have we have one we have one district court race. That's, oh, courts. Yeah. Um,
3: Big court went on our side. Casey Visor. I'm I'm supporting him. Um, he uh, again, people forget about courts just like we that? just did. His seat. Oh wait, no, no, it's not. He's uh, moved up.
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I
1: that can't race.
3: remember the person's name that he's running against. I can't, literally, that's the only thing I remember.
1: And then, and then on the dim side, there's uh, Aretha Blake, who's the incumbent versus Lena Moen, and that's um, turned that, into
0: a, uh, <laughs> a notable race.
1: Yeah, it, you know, there's been some negative coverage uh, against Blake in the Observer, but she has the Black Political Caucus endorsement, and in, in his, you know. Um, been explaining that story so so i think that that's one where you know um a lot of research is um is good before you go into the voting booth because you definitely want to know um who you're voting for what the candidate's positions are and judges have a a, especially in a uh, judicial district where we have a heavily underfunded uh judicial system we have way too many cases than a lot of our judges and our ADAs and our public defenders can handle.
0: That's Uh, something we've talked about a lot here with the city with intergovernmental relations and all that, Mm -hmm. trying to to get some of that fixed at the state level. So it's not all, you know, there are shortcomings at the local level that are not necessarily of their own making. Um, I posted something on Twitter the other day and and don't necessarily expect that everyone agrees with my stance on this, but I've, I've got a pretty strong stance on if the strategy of your campaign is to tell me why I shouldn't vote for your opponent, um, that's kind of a non-starter for me. And, and so I hope that, that people will think about that. And, and frankly, I just am not willing to reward campaigns that go negative instead of telling me why I should be compelled to vote for their person. Uh, and frankly, I think that's what's happened in that race. So I would encourage people to look into that um, and not just take some of that stuff on its face because oftentimes those things come directly from the person's opponent. And uh, so they maybe take them with a grain of salt.
1: I mean, anybody who's worked on campaigns for more than one cycle has, you know, called up a reporter and said, hey, here is my entire opposition research book uh, on my opponent. Is there anything here that you think is newsworthy, Um, especially if they're running behind? Casey Weiser, Superior Court Judge.
0: Thank you for that. Update. You're welcome.
3: You're welcome. So, I mean, that's everybody, right? Uh, well, by everyone, for, we missed
0: probably fifty. I mean, people. agriculture. We, the, yeah, a, a, ag uh, I'm supporting Jenna Wadsworth for agriculture.
1: So, so that's your your fourth third endorsement. Um, uh, well, I said supporting.
0: Not wow, endorsing. it's like a junior varsity endorsement. The um, three that I am actively endorsing. I mentioned others. I'm support. I'm telling you who I'm voting for.
1: But but I, I think I think let's let's cap it off here in a good logical stopping point is just we've talked a lot about how we had the millennial revolution on the Charlotte City Council. Um you had a lot of new faces come in with y'all's class.
0: Some people are saying it's the best class that's that's ever. The no one's saying. Oh,
3: they're all out, saying turns that. Turns out no one's saying that. They're I'm all sorry. saying
1: that. Uh the the next year didn't happen so much at county commission in uh in 20 in 2018. Um but y'all, you know, did pretty well. In your next election, twenty nineteen, now we have a large number of millennials who are running in these council of state races, where you you do have like Chaz you know Beasley, Chaz Beasley, Chaz Beasley yeah. Ronnie Chatterjee, Jenna Wadsworth. Um, I, I think there's one in the state superintendent race. Um,
0: yeah, Mark Johnson. He's twelve. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually Generation
1: Z um but you know you you could you, i hate that dude I'm, uh, I'm
0: gonna go on the record and say i hate that dude
1: you don't even know him i hate him i mean i don't know him.
0: he's from forsyth county and he makes us he, he puts a stain on my home county
3: you he don't he, like the elevator lady well he was he was uh, the, I first. Like the elevator lady as
0: a person i don't like her as leading our department of labor She's a very nice individual. Your
3: hatred yeah. runs so deep.
0: I don't hate Sherry Berry. You gotta open your Shirley heart. Sherry Berry. Yeah, you didn't
3: say it right. Open your heart and let all that hate go. Jessica
0: Holmes running in that race. Just Hol- An-
1: another millennial, millennial. Uh, Wake County Commissioner. I'm to give you a
3: prediction. I think that our the number of millennials that was elected in our inaugural class was this anomaly. Something I honestly didn't even see until after the day after the election. I was like, oh my gosh. And it's just not ready yet at a state level where
0: some of them you just
3: will got win, some really. Some I mean, will, just, well, well we we
1: all we already have one millennial on the council of state as, as uh, uh, state superintendent. And so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. At the very least, I think we will have multiple millennials come out of the primary. And I think um, I'd be willing to, to wager that at the end of this election, you've got at least two millennials I agree. on the council of state.
0: And I think older voters are. are- coming around to voting for the millennial generation how, how
3: many uh, uh positions make up the council of state
0: the eight?
1: Oh god um something like that
0: it's like somewhere between six and nine
1: yeah interesting anyway
0: we'll count it later anything <laughs> else we nah. appreciate you coming on mr spencer as always friend of the pod and uh your lovely wife did the intro for this episode we think yeah. We haven't got She's it yet. She's got to be doing that in the future. We'll get
3: that in, in the future. This is about future Listeners right now. Listeners heard in the
0: past. We'll hear it in the future.
1: I, I mean, look, she is a wonderful, amazing woman, and I couldn't be happier. And
0: we can't figure out why she married you. That's it's crazy. crazy. But you're a lucky man. Fair point. I am. I'm Sam, uh, would, you, would you... Oh, he gets you, to be the opening act for the, the governor.
1: That's governor true. Would
3: you mind uh, uh, taking us out in this break and in, and, and transitioning us to the governor?
0: Can you the use 1930s radio voice to introduce Pat McCroy. Yes, please.
1: Next up in our next segment on R&D and the QC, Tark and Larkin, our fearless leaders and protagonists, will be joined by former governor, former mayor, and former Charlotte City Councilman Pat McCrory. Why don't you keep on listening? Because you can't wait to hear what happens on R&D and the QC.
3: That's right, folks. R and D in the QC episode ninety. We're back again. This time with special guest, former mayor, former governor, former man who used to assign the offices that we are sitting in right now and set the committees. Uh, Pat McCrory, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks a lot. Even though I wasn't invited, I just happened to be in the hallway.
3: Well, that's kind (laughs) of how. And then we invited you.
2: I was invited because <laughs> Harvey Gantt was in the other office, and I got postponed for Harvey Gantt. You are, you guys you got saw me in the down hallway. Is what I got but, a uh, bigger name on the other line. But here Governor, here's Hall.
0: here's what happened. Sometimes think the stars just align. You're on the podcast right now, and Mayor Gantt stuck in a boring meeting. So I, I don't know. That <laughs> Mayor I think you're Mayor Gant the Knows there. what a podcast is. Well, we can does work it? on that later.
3: See, Pat McCrory does because he is a radio personality now.
0: Now, no, now Governor, I'm, have you have you about transitioned your radio show into podcast
2: form yet? Well, yeah, we've done. Yeah, we're doing podcasts. Yeah, well, I've done podcasts. Uh, you had Felix on one time, yeah, right? I've had some. I've had uh, some former governors on, former mayors on, former business people on. Uh, it's gone real well. Very and good. We we podcast our, our radio show too. Mm-hmm. Plug the plug the show while
0: you're uh, while we're thinking about it. <laughs> When's it on? <laughs> It's a plug down. It's a, it's a downward plug. It's
3: have you done that before?
2: 8 to 10 on 1110 WBT. <laughs> there you go. It oh, so, goes right into radio voice when he says it. So, so. we have
3: uh, we have two kinds of fans that listen to our podcast, those mm-hmm. that also listen to 1110, and then all Arkansas that listen to WFAE, it's Charlotte great.
0: Talks. Super. But all informed listeners. And uh, and I believe that you are our first governor we've had on.
3: I think so. Yeah, That is I true. So. We've had lots of mayors. We've had
0: some congresspeople. Uh, we've even had well, Michael Bloom him. back. Me and
2: the Daggum. Uh,
3: Don't you feel honored, though? I mean, this is such an honor for you. It's got his face isn't. Like if his face isn't, say isn't saying I'm honored, honored. I'm honored. Like
2: this is you <laughs>
3: seeing. You're getting to spread your wings without Bo Thompson right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he
2: kind of has the look of a hostage right now. But before I'm, we I'm jump into stuck into it, in, stuck in a corner, I can't get <laughs>
3: out. This is how this works. Uh, before we jump into whatever Larkin has planned for this uh, election edition, um, you're walking around the halls. I got to imagine. When's the last time you've been here in the, in the, on the 15th floor?
2: I think it was during the riots. Mm. So uh, I came up here on the 15th floor searching for your mayor, then Mayor Jennifer Roberts. And I think she was in an office with now Governor Roy Cooper. <laughs> and uh, so it was during the riots. I think last time I was up here, 15th floor. So that's almost been three and a half years.
3: Do you miss anything from your mayoral or even city council days? Oh. Uh, the simplicity of that, that life you used to lived so long
2: ago? Well, I did it for 20 years, 14 years as mayor, six years as an at-large city council member, so I come up Mm -hmm. on this floor, and it's probably the fourth time I've been here since I left office in 2009, so uh, some things never change, and yet a lot of good memories come back. I see a couple of my old staffers, Pam Young and others, Mm -hmm. got a good hug from them, and um, I have great memories of public service in this building on the 15th floor, and and coming through the basement here, although they wouldn't let me in the basement. <laughs> I pushed the button. I said, we've yeah, really this is former Mayor downtown. Pat McCrory. We, we've got yeah. your picture down at security. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> so. Well, I'll tell you what I did. i got to tell you the truth what I did. I pushed the button because there was a long line. At the... I was invited to come here by your planning director. <laughs> this and damn badge ain't not working, working anymore. And wo- I pushed wo- the wo- button and I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to see your planning director. And they said, "Well, sir, you've got to uh, <laughs> you've got to go to the city parking deck." And I went, "Well, I tell you what, you just tell the planning director to call me." <laughs> they oh, well, ended up opening the gates. So um, anyway. Good. It'll well, happen to y'all someday when you're out of office and some other people will be holding this office. And you it know. happens to Tark sometimes now. Yeah, I mean, in y- y- y'all will come to- back here to the 15th floor and say, I used to be here. And Look. people will go, what are you doing? Sure
0: you were, sir. We're going <laughs> to yeah, need to yeah. see some ID. <laughs> so you said there weren't city council offices when you were the when you were on city council. Where Where did you guys congregate for, when you were on council before you were mayor?
2: There were two in this area where you're sitting right now. There were um, like three cubicles that everyone shared and everyone was fine with that cuz most people didn't spend a lot of time up in their offices. We did work from home. Of course, this is long before computers and laptops and iPhones, but uh, in fact, the main reason we had to come up here was all the documents. I mean, our whole agenda was paper agenda. I we was still haven't fir- gotten away from I that. was the <laughs> yeah. first I was the first mayor with an email. I no was kidding. the first mayor wow. with a computer on the desk and my 10-year-old nephew had to come and teach me how to Worked the computer on my desk.
0: Because immediately preceding you was Mayor Myrick. Is that uh, right? No, Vinroot. Vinroot. And Myrick was before him.
2: Myrick was mayor when I first became on the city council, okay. then Vinroot, and I was mayor and pro tem under um, Mayor Vinroot. See, I got to get you guys to learn your history here. I know pretty well. I've gotten to know Mayor Vinroot really like him. I've not had the great chance man. to meet
0: Mayor Myrick. Great man. Great I know man. she doesn't live here anymore, but um, a little off script question before we talk about the primary election. I won't ask you to tell me who your least favorite were unless you got somebody you want to throw under the bus, but. Who were two or three of the favorite people that you worked with either while you're mayor or while you're on council fellow council members
2: mm, I love Charlie Baker mm. one of the great public servants he passed away of Alzheimer's and I didn't know this until recently two years ago. I went to go visit him while I was I was mayor I mean while I was governor I went to go visit Charlie Baker at Sharon Towers and he was obviously fighting Alzheimer's. And he, he I came into his room, and I. And he said, "What are you doing now?" He said, "Well, Charlie, I'm governor of North Carolina now." And he went, "You've got to be kidding!" <laughs> he said, "I really am losing." <laughs> he really. He said, "I've got. You've got to be kidding." So uh, Charlie Baker was one of my favorites, but uh, we all got along. I would. We would. When I was mayor, we would go out um, to a, a bar off of Kings Road after Monday night city council meetings and, and have beer together and just get along. And back then, too, we had very, very long zoning meetings. We had so many zonings. Still. We, oh, yeah, we We, we went till one, two, <laughs> one time 2.30 in the morning. We have for a zoning. self-imposed
0: curfew of 10,
2: 10.30. Yeah,
3: but I don't know that I love that. I, I The mayor's right that we we, need, we don't zombie, make good yeah.
2: decisions after 11 p.m. I anymore. would agree with that. But we went till 2 o'clock in the morning Ugh. at times. Oof. And um, did brutal. people
3: like to, like, pontificate the way they do today still I didn't like allow
2: weren't? as i when i was a mayor i like on introductions the only thing they got to say was their name mm. and didn't get to give long speeches and yeah. i wouldn't allow resolutions uh i was totally against we it, do it, the
3: former of those still but the latter the we, resolutions, we still allow resolutions is a
2: total waste of time especially if it has nothing to do with your job so i'd have city council members want to do a resolution against nuclear proliferation or something I'd go run for Congress. You're on city council now go mayor run Pat for Rube congress iron fist. I never used my gavel in uh, fourteen years as mayor though. i
3: I, I thought about, about you last n- no I don't think so. I thought about you last night when the Boy Scouts came up to do the pledge and And they were (laughs) sitting there. Helicopter man. Helicopter man. I was was thinking, I was like, they don't know how good they have it. They should be scared.
2: There's a famous YouTube video, I think it's got over half a million. Oh, yeah. I I think it's like over a million. We've talked about it on this podcast. Probably is over a million. We've talked
0: about it on this podcast before and had people email us and tweet us and and message us and say, oh, my God, thank you so much for telling me about this. It has brightened. A new
2: generation has learned about helicopter man. The helicopter man. Is that your most
0: viral clip from elected office? It's got to be. Yeah. that
2: was when the. The man uh, started saying there are helicopters attacking us and cussing out uh, George Shin. George, that's right. No ice in the, the arena. podium, and and then he said, "You bunch of p-word," and um, and he's then I, and then some dog face pony. Soldiers. I want excuse me, sir, but there are Boy Scouts in the audience. <laughs> you're and you're, that, scaring, you're that, them. scaring them. Yeah, yeah. Be <laughs> And then I said, "Thank you very much."
1: <laughs> we Whenever we weird. had
2: we had four people every every public hearing mm-hmm. the same four people we had one guy who'd always come dressed as a ballerina and uh he w- mm-hmm. and then we had Robin Hood a guy named Robin Hood <laughs> and he my name is Robin Hood and and they don't make Richard Benroot used to get mad at him but I learned getting <laughs> mad at him would make him empower them <laughs> empower him so I'd always say thank you very much I'll see you next week and he'd be shocked that I'd say I. I look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>
0: We've come up with a, a pretty clever policy where you can you sign up once every two or three months, and so that way we don't we get new people. Well, get one of my other speak.
2: favorite city council members was Malachi Green, oh, I love who, Malachi. who's passed away. And um, but Malachi was of a, a different party, and. And he'd always lecture me. He he he'd begin his lecture in a meeting, you know, if if his district rep, if his district neighborhoods were in the audience and I know this doesn't happen today, but he would give them speeches and no, let no them know he represents I mean, them. Never. And he'd go, Mr Mayor, my people believe and he would and and whenever we had a signal, when I'd hit my chin, when I'd scratch my chin...
0: Time to wrap it up.
2: That was cut to BS. <laughs> yes. And he'd always give a little smile on his face. I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing. I loved him for
0: Malachi it. was a phenomenal man.
2: And, Malachi uh, Green was a guy. I got I to I know had, him a little bit yeah, did his eulogy at him. his funeral, and oh, did you? I, I loved him. I loved Malachi. But we... Every year we had different characters in my fourteen years. as Is uh, well, here,
3: here's just so you know what's going on. The, from the first mayor that ever had email access, mm-hmm. this is now the agenda through I legislate, where we can go into the zoning meeting, and we can go through the consents and everything and anything that's in there. You're on radio. Digitized. You might
2: want to describe what you're doing. <laughs> That's You're on podcast. See, we haven't had a
3: radio prof- <laughs> expert with us in the room like this.
2: You're like the play-by-play announcers with <laughs> the Panthers go, Did you see that? And I'm That's going, amazing. no, yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't
3: see it. So, what? Ask uh, what, what's a good political season Super Tuesday primary question? Now that we got the governor, mayor in here uh, from his perspective.
0: Well, so we're gonna we're gonna go through each race a little bit later and handicap if there's a competitive mm-hmm. race, and, and there are a couple for council of state. Um, Lieutenant County Gother. commission race. Yeah. That's part of the council of state, but we'll, we'll teach you that later. You go. I'm, I'm talking about specific <laughs> stuff. I'm looking for that race um, right now. But what are the couple of things on the ballot that stand out to you? And obviously um, president Trump is going to be the nominee for the Republican party, but where do you see North Carolina going in the democratic primary? Um, and how do you see that race shaping out both for North Carolina and the nation?
2: Well, let me first tell you a little history. Mm. The first time I ran for city council at large there were 17 people running for four at-large seats good lord that sounds brutal. 17 people running for four at-large seats how many of them were
0: like actual credible candidates
2: a lot of them. really oh uh, the vast majority very very tough race and i was unknown and i came in fourth place by four or five hundred votes i got the fourth place seat and beat a another an ex-navy guy um And it was, I was tough to celebrate because I respected the guy and I beat him for the fourth spot, but that election was canceled due to Hurricane Hugo. It was postponed Wow! because Hurricane Hugo came and, uh, flooded many, a lot of our schools back in 89. And, um, so they had postponed my election, the, the, the primary election in September. And then I was out of money. And all my signs had been destroyed. I could have run for statewide office at that point in time just because my signs were everywhere. But uh, in fact, the night of Hugo, I was out stapling. This is back when we did staple guns for the signs and wood sticks. Uh, I was trying to reinforce my signs the night of Hugo coming in. So, some great stories of campaigning, and and that's what you know, candidates right now. I. I I commend everyone who has the courage to run for office, whether it be school board or whether it be county commission or lieutenant governor or whatever. Whoever runs, I admire because they have the courage to do that and their families have the courage to do that. So from putting up yard signs to raising money to shaking hands, uh, we ought to celebrate this democracy. I wish we still had 17 people running for four at-large seats, which we don't have anymore anymore but um we need to get back to those days
0: options are options are a good thing in an election and, and it was bipartisan
2: then too we had uh it was usually 6-5 republican or democrat either way and we had a very bipartisan city council and county commission during those days in the late 80s and all throughout the 90s and early 2000s, and I miss that too.
0: I think it surprises people on a lot of city issues. Sometimes there will be odd bedfellows across the aisle. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, there have to be because Well, but I mean, Tark and Ed might vote for something, and a couple Democrats might vote against it. um,
2: My big odd bedfellow was Al Rousseau, one of the great legendary public officials. He was mayor pro tem, plus he almost became mayor in a write-in vote running against Sue Myrick. and a write-in? As a write-in vote, he got over 30% of the vote as a write-in. that is crazy. Yeah, it's one of the most historic campaigns ever. Um, He was the downtown jeweler, and the city tore down his jewelry store, and his jewelry store is where the fountain is at the corner of Trade and Tron. And he raised hell about it. He was a Democrat, and um, in fact, there's a clock with his name on it right there at the corner of Trade and Tron. You know that clock? That's in memory of Al Russo. Really, oh, I didn't but, realize But that. Al Russo, when I became mayor, he then again ran for city council after he lost the right in mayor's vote. Sue Myrick got like thirty-five to forty percent of the vote to win that election, wow. against um, Al and also against Al's son-in-law, ex son-in-law, who was the Democrat nominee for for mayor. That's, That's crazy. Kind of so it was uh, it made national headlines. And uh, but anyway, the um, the um, Elections mean something and Al Rousseau, I when when I was mayor I put Al Rousseau on my right side because he was deaf in his right ear. And so if you know, I'd say, Hey, Al vote yes on this and he'd go, Okay. And then Ella Scarborough was on his other side, at large candidate, who I ran against for mayor years later, and Ella would yell at him, Vote no, vote no, vote no, but he couldn't couldn't hear hear. So I was very strategic in where I placed my city places. council members. Very strategic. Or manipulative might be yes. another word. So uh, Is there, there are a any- lot of stories on that dais that a lot of the current members don't know about.
3: Is there anyone that's running for any office in the primary or even the general this year that um, you've known for a long time that maybe you served with or crossed paths with? I, I think interesting for us, we've got Dimple Ajmera, one of our folks here that's running for treasurer against ultimately – if she makes it through the primary, Dale Falwell, who I, I think a lot of, and I um, think he's doing a good job. But then- I,
2: Dale Falwell used to, Dale Falwell was my unemployment, uh, head of unemployment. Right. And when I came into governor's office, we had a $2.3 billion deficit in unemployment, which I didn't know about until I walked into the mayor, uh, governor's office. And I put Dale in charge of that. And Dale, They now have a $3 billion surplus in the unemployment fund. So if we have another recession, you need to thank uh, Del Falwell for pumping up that that fund. But that's when my protesters started. Uh, When we passed that bill to uh, close the unemployment deficit was when I got a lot of protesters because we lowered the unemployment compensation to what South Carolina, Virginia, and Tennessee were paying. Because if we didn't lower it, our deficit would have been even higher, and therefore we would have had to tax employers more during a recession. So it was very, very controversial. But in the long run, it was a good decision, and a lot of the people who were on unemployment started looking for jobs. So quite controversial, though. That
0: was around the time that uh, Governor Pat started bringing cookies out to the front gate.
2: That was probably one of the times I did bring cookies out to the gate, which was kind of an odd story because – all the protesters were cussing outside the gate, pretty obscene language and chanting. And I had a porch protected by bushes and I was with my chief legal counsel and he said, you know what, governor, you ought to go take him some cookies. Cookies were a big thing at the governor's mansion. They, they had chocolate chip cookies that we gave out to people all the time. Didn't know. And I went, you know, that's a great idea. And so I took a plate of chocolate chip cookies outside the gate. Next thing I know it was mocked and ridiculed and uh, cartoons made of it. But, I You're was actually trying to encourage dialogue out cookies isn't the worst yeah. thing in the world well it was seen as apparently the protesters that day were females which I didn't even know and they said it was it was oh, it was um
3: I could see the angle they
2: but yeah, if I, I was you,
0: protesting and you brought me cookies you'd be good. I might uh, you'd still be, be found
2: they had the I best chocolate chip cookies at the governor's mansion you can imagine but it was very all the governors used to give out chocolate chip cookies but when a when this governor gave it out, it became uh, quite controversial. But it was it was a fun time. But a lot of history, and and I just like to thank as you go over all those people running for office, Republican, Democrat, I don't care. Thank God they're running, and thank you for you guys too for having the courage to run and cooperate with each other.
0: You are welcome. Yes. So any any prediction you get to make any prediction you want on the primary, whether it's presidential, state, local, anything you see, that or maybe folks aren't expecting that somebody that could be a surprise winner or a
2: I think Bloomberg is going to bring so much money into the state that it could impact the the um, the races below the president. Mm. I think it'll. If Bloomberg wins the primary, it will be a big uh, shot to all the Democrats running in the Council of State, in the U.S. Senate, and even all the way down wow, to some of the county commission sheriffs because he is. Handing out money like we've never seen before, not just through his campaign but also through his foundations.
3: Is anyone aligning with him on the D side, like formally?
2: Publicly? Yeah, well, we've got uh, Beverly Purdue, my predecessor, and Vi Louse.
3: But I mean, that are on this ballot in Mar- on March third. That like, are no, t- like I'm going to ride. The I think
2: Bloomberg it's too late well, for that.
0: And most of the people, especially on the statewide ballot, are wise enough to say, "Well, you know, I don't want picking one person. Yeah. I alienate all the other supporters."
2: Yeah. So. I actually have a Bloomberg story, too. When I was mayor, uh, that we landed on the Hudson. The U.S. Airway land, landed on the Hudson, so the mainly Charlotte people on that flight. And uh, so I called up Mayor Bloomberg to thank him for all the help that all their emergency people were helping get these people off the plane. And, and, and about 35 to 40 were from Charlotte. And so I said, Mayor Bloomberg, this is Pat McCrory, Mayor Charlotte. We've met one other time before. He was a brand-new mayor. I'd been mayor for probably 10 years at that time. And he said, okay, and I just want to thank you, and let's work together to get these passengers back to Charlotte. Any way we can help, we'll do it. And about five minutes later, he was on a live press conference, and I was watching it in a little TV that we had in the mayor's office. And on the TV, he was going, you know, saying what happened, how they protected him, and then all of a sudden he looked at a piece of paper. And, oh, yeah, one other thing before I – go off stage um i just got a call from um a guy named patrick mccrory who says he's mayor of north carolina of charlotte <laughs> well, and and he says he knows me <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and about two seconds later council member john lasser called me up in a smart aleck way in a fun way and said so did you know him or not you know so and, wait, uh,
3: well hold on real quick before you go we've had bloomberg <laughs> on this podcast before yeah Tell him the funny story about uh, UNC and where he thought he was.
0: There was some confusion. We were walking with him from the 7th Street public market over to the UNC Charlotte. I Uptown had my campus. phone out.
3: I was doing the, the question yeah. Q&A yeah. back and, and forth um, like that.
0: And he says, yeah, you know, I gave not just a couple years ago, I gave the commencement speech here. And I'm thinking to myself, now, there is no way I wouldn't have known if Mayor Bloomberg had given the UNC Charlotte commencement speech, but I wasn't going to attempt to correct him in the midst of our interview. It was yeah. Chapel Hill. So <laughs> He wasn't sure exactly. <laughs> yeah. back later and it turned I'll out give, it was Chapel Hill. I'll give,
2: I'll give the mayor a pass on that <laughs> yeah. one. People in North Carolina are confused between UNC Charlotte and UNC Chapel Hill because of the yeah. CH factor. That's why I, I still think we ought to call our university or Charlotte So university. just to
3: clarify, geographies around North Carolina, you'll give a pass and you're cool on. But you and your name, And knowing you ahead of time, he's got to get that right. He's got to get that right.
2: Well, plus we were helping him. (laughs) But, you know, I knew Mayor Giuliani. I mainly worked with Mayor Giuliani at the time during Mm -hmm. 9-11 on Homeland Security. And and I've smoked cigars with uh, Giuliani uh, right down here on College Street. Uh, So uh, Giuliani and I. I think actually, he switched what he's actually. I went then. down to uh, to visit the <laughs> Homeland Security, um, the new Homeland Security offices in the World Trade Center with Giuliani in uh, July of 2001, yeah. and he took me up to the eighth floor there, I believe it was, and gave me a great tour. Me and the mayor of Durham, Nick Tennyson, who later on became my DOT secretary, yeah. and um, and then just a couple months later. It was all gone. I stayed in the Holiday uh, Marriott Hotel, the World Trade Center, which is gone too. Yeah. So Giuliani and I had a very, very good relationship. But Bloomberg, you know, you got to give him, give him credit. He was mayor for what, 11 years? So it's good to see a mayor get involved.
3: Yeah. Agreed on that. He's got and, a lot of things to think, answer. I don't for think anybody
2: really thought he had much of a chance three, four months ago. And
0: all of a sudden, he's just. In oh
2: i've i've always known he said when you've got that much money funds, yeah, when you've helps. got that he's made
3: the debate now, money the makes next a debate. difference that's politics. going to be
0: interesting tomorrow night on
3: that'll be interesting and now he's the target so they're talking about his record stop and frisk which isn't going to play well amongst the base he's going out it's going to be
2: interesting how the questions how loaded the questions will be from uh, i think it's nbc that's doing the uh, debate so it's going to be interesting if the pushback will come from the moderators, because it's really a press conference, not a debate.
0: Oh, those candidates on stage will are going to turn them all on end. And
2: which one will do it? Because I've been in multi-people debate many times, both for governor and mayor, and you take a risk by putting the spotlight on you. And those that have taken a risk in attacking in debates in the past in the Democratic primary are out now. Yeah, uh, they Cath- can bite you. Harris, Senator Harris from California, was the first one to really attack Biden. Mm-hmm. And I can talk, he might have taken them both down.
0: I'm pretty sure Bernie's not going to be afraid to take some shots Bloomberg's way tomorrow night. So it'll be interesting. Well, to watch. what's mm-hmm. going to be
2: interesting from a date per- debate perspective, and I'll let you guys go, but is sometimes it's best to let other people do the attacking and you stand on the sideline and be above it. And that's probably what uh, Pete mayor pete will do a mayor kind of stays on the sideline let the others attack and pretend i had nothing to do with it and go and go for it
3: well it's a great honor as always former mayor governor of north carolina pat mccrory we love you we're so glad love you guys you, we, appreciate we saw you your, here and i appreciate
2: 100%. i appreciate y'all's public service 100 we appreciate yours you. and, and uh, charlotte's still the greatest city in the united states of america we agree
0: wholeheartedly and when the time comes if the time comes if you decide you're going to run for something again We'd ask you to come back on and do it on our show, not yeah, on a, your show. Announce it here.
2: That will happen.
0: No, okay. Well, we be second. <laughs> you want me to lie to you? No, it's the new thing of the
2: pre-announcement. You want me to make it feel good and say, "Okay,
0: we'll embargo it and we'll hold it." No, until in you fact, if anything, if
2: I ever run for office again, will you burn this? We will. <laughs> we, will. we will. Luckily, it, it just auto-destructs.
0: Dis- yeah, the internet. The internet always uh, forgets. Yes.
2: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. take care. Thank you.